remember a number of years ago before I was a pastor, I was uh, working in my shop one day on a Saturday. Uh, Josh McDowell, if you don't know that name, he was a campus uh, speaker, Christian. Um, had a radio program of some sort. I don't even remember what it was anymore. But I remember him saying this. It used to be that tolerance meant that we can agree to disagree. We may not agree on something, but we're not disagreeable. We, we don't fight. That, that's what tolerance meant. But he said the definition has changed. I'd never heard this before, but he was 100% right. It was the first time I heard it, but I've seen it over and over again since that. Tolerance no longer means that I can firmly believe what I want and what I am convicted of and express it to you. And I can still accept you and not be nasty to you, not treat you badly, and not put you down. Today, tolerance has a different definition as used and publicly. And that is this. If I speak anything against what you believe, I'm now intolerant. I don't have the right to have a conviction or a personal belief. Very interesting. I've heard all kinds of phobias, homophobia, Islamophobia. But you know what? Have you ever heard of Christophobia? No, you've never heard of that one. You see, it almost always goes one direction. Chris, I didn't know what Chris was going to do today. But we live in a country that we say we have liberty and we have freedom, and we do. And our major freedom is in Christ, of course. We have freedom from sin. Freedom from the world bringing and squeezing us into its mold. But the truth of the matter is, that's changing. And if you don't know that, and if you come out from under your rock, Open your ears, open your eyes, and see what's going on around you. Because there was a time when people said, well, we can be tolerant and we can all live and get along together. Now it's, you have to accept me. And if you don't accept me and agree with me, then you're a hateful person. By the way, that phobia thing means you're scared of the other person. It's a totally goofy. Think about that. Just take any of those up. Phobia things that they're using nowadays, and you'll find out whoever controls the language controls the debate. Okay, just think about that for a moment and put it in there. Uh, just because I am not a Muslim, I, that doesn't make me Islamophobic. I'm not scared of Muslims. I'm not afraid of Muslims. I just do not agree with them. I, that's fine because they don't trust Christ. The point is this. Is it was at one time tolerance, but now you have to accept the person. And you know what? We are now being, and if you don't think that, if you think that that China thing was uh, really way off the charts and that happens in the other end of the world, you haven't been listening to the news, folks. Because you see, if my business is Sweet Cakes by Melissa, by the way, that's a real court case that's going to the Supreme Court most likely, you are being forced by the government under great pressure that you have to use your artistic talents to agree and help somebody else celebrate a lifestyle that you totally are convicted that is wrong. 
Yeah, how about that? That is just exactly the opposite. You see, tolerance only goes in one way, and that's the downhill way, the way it's seen. Now, we're going to look at what tolerance actually means, not only from a dictionary, but also from the Bible. And then uh, the question has been asked to me. Let's face it, nobody here goes, Paul Mulfair doesn't have an opinion, and Paul Mulfair doesn't have convictions. I don't, nobody's ever accused me of that. They've accused me of the other things, but that's okay. The point is, how do you deal with somebody that's different than you without treating them badly? How do you deal with someone who very much tells you you're wrong because you won't agree with them, how do you interact with them? Whether they walk in these church doors, or whether they're a neighbor, or someone you work with, or someone you simply have to, like my wife would do, I, I, I've never gotten over her. She just will be standing in the line at the grocery store and get in a conversation with somebody about some really earth-changing kind of issue. That's my wife, in case you don't know her. And she has an opinion. There's no doubt about it. Ask me, I'll tell you. But you know what? The point is, how do you how do you interact with people who are very, very, very different than you without being somebody who is just against people and hating people and mistreating people? How do you do that? I believe there is absolutely biblical principle and conviction that we can have and still do what exactly the Bible tells us to do. Some of you know that uh, about a month and a half ago now that, um, and I had brought a petition here because the Middletown Borough was going to add some additional language to their ordinances. I got wind of that from the Pennsylvania Family Institute. And so I decided to take my three minutes, or four minutes, I'm sorry, that they give you at a council meeting to speak up. And I took some petitions with me. I had written a letter to all of the commissioners ahead of time and sent it to them. And I just said, you know what? These things that you're planning to do now are going to ultimately make me a bad guy even though I have goodwill toward everybody and I don't practice these things that you say I'm practicing. You see, they said, well, we want to make sure that nobody discriminates. Now, I want you to think something through. Now, I want you to think something through. Don't raise your hand. Is there anyone in here that doesn't discriminate? I sure hope you wouldn't have put your hand up because you discriminate all the time. You discriminated against 60 other churches in our area by coming to Garden Chapel today. You know what? All it simply means is that we make a decision. That's all that it means. It means that we have discernment and we have an outcome that comes from that. The Bible uses the word judgment. It simply means we consider what's going on and we make a decided outcome. That's exactly what a court does or a judge does. Anyway, I don't know, maybe some of you know this, don't know this, some of you are our tenants. We own some property in the borough of Middletown. You know what? I told them, I said, you know what? You can look me up online, you can look at our doctrinal suite at a garden chapel, and it says we believe marriage is one man and one woman. You could look up my sermons and you could see that I preach that homosexuality and gender identification and uh, uh, 
and I can't even remember the other word. But anyway, you know, I preached and I said, these things are not biblical. They're sinful. They're wrong. I said, so if someone would come and want to uh, rent one of our apartments and they were rejected, they could say, Pastor Paul discriminated against us. Actually, it would be they. Discriminated against us because this is what they believe. And I have to tell you, we discriminate all the time when we rent an apartment. If you're, if you're old and you can't walk up a set of stairs, we are not going to rent you an upstairs apartment. If you have five kids, we're not going to rent you a two-bedroom apartment. If you can't afford to pay the rent, or you have a bad reputation and the people you, uh, the landlords before that won't give you a good recommendation, we're not going to rent to you. See, we discriminate all the time. We totally admit that. We make choices. If we didn't, we would be entering into a contract, a legal business contract with someone who we know isn't going to work. That would be foolish on our part not to do that. I will tell you, my wife's not here. But you know what? If you came to rent an apartment from us and you gave my wife a bunch of grief and argued with her, I'm pretty much guaranteeing you you're not going to be renting an apartment from us. You see, we all know that we're entering into a contract. The point is, how do you deal with this? And how do you come across and how do you deal with this and come out and say, I'm a Christian. And I'm living by Christian principles. I'm going to have 10 of them in front of us before the morning is over. Is it going to answer every question you have? The answer is probably not. But hopefully it will give you a jumping off point where you can look at it and say, how do I deal with this? As a pastor, I deal with all kinds of people. If somebody calls and says, I'd like to come in and talk with you, I'd like to counsel with you, I don't ask them. What do you believe? What is your lifestyle? I don't ask them any of those things. They come in, and you know what? I deal with them right where they are. That's my job. So with some of that as a background, um, we're going to look at a few things. For First of all, let's look at simply an English de uh, definition of the word tolerance, because this is a thing that is tearing people apart, and it's tearing our country apart. I'll give you an illustration of what happened in government as we go through here. Uh, we've already looked at some of the court cases that are going on. But tolerance, and most of these, and I'll point out the ones that aren't, are actually very close to the biblical definition of the word tolerance. And by the way, in the Bible, it's translated by three different, uh, two different words in one phrase. It's the word tolerance, the word forbearance, or to bear with. It, all of those are used for the words that are used in the Bible. But the first one in an English dictionary, and this is not of any dictionary, I took about oh, probably 10 different dictionaries and put it together to make something that makes sense for a sermon. But it's the fair, objective, and permissive attitude toward opinion, belief, or practices that differ. It doesn't mean you agree with them uh, or they don't conflict with you. But you are fair toward that person. You don't treat them disrespectfully. You don't dishonor them. You don't, you, you don't treat them badly. That, that's just the bottom line. And you need to, but notice, it doesn't have a thing to do with you changing 
your convictions or what you believe. In fact, is the word tolerance or forbear or forbearance makes zero sense if everybody had to agree exactly the same. Now, we're not talking. There is no other way under heaven by which you must be saved other than the name of Christ, the work of Christ. Can't get around that one, okay? But that's why Christians around the world are persecuted more than anyone else. Because we say Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way that you can be right with God. We say that. When you say that, you're already a hateful person. You know that, right? That's why what Chris says on a regular basis every month or so, uh, that's what's happening around the world. Because we, and we alone say, it's only Christ. It's not multiple paths to God. That's why I use that coexist thing there. It's like, that's the, that's the accepted thing. Everybody's spiritual today. All paths lead to one God. All gods are the same. They even quote the Pope these days because he said, Muslims and Christians are brothers and sisters. By the way, look it up. There's all kinds of stuff that comes in those directions. You don't believe that? You're out of the mainstream. You're a hateful person. You're a phobic person. It's just simply not true. Freedom from bigotry, obviously, we are not to be prejudiced kinds of people. If you've been around here, I call it there. Prejudice is not something new. It's been around a long, long time, long before Bible time, uh, you know, before the New Testament. New Testament had nothing to do with black and white. You just simply were a Samaritan or a Ju- uh, from Judah. That's all it took. I couldn't tell the difference looking at a person, whether a Samaritan or from Judah. I couldn't tell the difference. You see, it's black and white. It's black and yellow. It's black and you name or whatever, or white and whatever. It doesn't matter. White and whatever. There are people that are simply, well, you're different than me, and I'm against you. That is absolutely an unbiblical way to approach life. The other one, the last one I have there, is accepting or affirming another's practices or ideas or beliefs as valid. In other words, they say this, well, I have to agree. Did you ever think that through? If somebody disagrees with me, and I am forced, if I'm going to be a tolerant person, to, to believe what they believe, hold it a second, that means what I believe has no validity at all. The point is, it makes no sense. That's why the Bible is very clear about tolerance, because there are differences. I'm not making a value judgment at the moment. I'm just simply saying there are judgments. And then there is something to allow to allow something to happen that I don't approve of. It has and implies no lack of commitment to your own beliefs. I'll get back to this one as we get to one of our points. Because, and I'll just say it now and then get back to it again, is you cannot even exercise tolerance and you cannot even have a Christian ministry if you don't stand firmly on what you believe. You really have nothing to work with. A couple others. These last two, the ability to endure, stand up to, or handle a toxic or difficult uh, condition and become less responsive. That's what happens to somebody that uses drugs, whether they're legal or illegal. You can build the tolerance to it, and so the one pain pill no longer works, so you got to have two, or one, one dose of heroin a day. Now you have to have three or four. That's tolerance in that sense. Like, 
toxic, uh, toxic. And then the last one, permissible or allowable variation. We're not talking about that because I believe the Bible is the complete and final word of God. So we're not going, well, we're tolerant in what the Bible says. In fact, as I found something, uh, my wife brought it home for me. I'm going to read it on vacation because she has a customer. I don't even know who it is, but their son became a Buddhist. I guess he was a Christian in name only of some sort, and he now became a Buddhist. And uh, there was a uh, book there she saw. She asked the, the owner if, if I, we could borrow it. And it's uh, what Christians can learn from Buddhists. And I flipped it over this morning on my way out and just to see who wrote it. It came from a professor from a Christian university. And I'm like, now I really got to read this because this is really messed up. But the point is that we don't have a tolerance in that direction. But you know, a lot of you know, I build engines and do things like that, and I like to win. So if you like to win, you get real picky about these things. I have equipment and in, instruments in my shop that I can reach down to a half a thousandth of an inch. But you know what? That other half a thousandth, I can't read that. It's not accurate enough. Now, that's okay for me. But there are tolerances that I will put up with because I, that's the best I can do, and that's the closest I can measure to. Well, there are tolerances in a lot of things, but that doesn't have anything to do. These last two have nothing to do with the Bible. So what does the Bible say? As I already mentioned, there are three words or three phrases that are used to translate this concept in Scripture. Uh, it, it simply means, and it really does have to do with putting up with someone else. It has to do with holding back in the sense of delaying an action. You're going to see how this all works as I go through the rest of the sermon. And bearing with the other person. I don't have to like what somebody else does. I don't have to like what my neighbor does. I, my neighbors don't have to like what I do. But we do bear with each other. By the way, I'll tell you, some of you don't have to like what I do. Guess what? It goes the other way around, too. But you know what? We're still here together, right? <laughs> you know, because we do practice tolerance. We practice it at all times. It may require endurance. That is that whole putting up with self-restraint. Because if I'm tolerant, there are some things I would like to do. And you do not want to know what they are because I have a mind just like yours. And yours goes haywire at times, too. So just keep that in mind. Uh, but we don't do. We don't carry out everything I think. We just simply don't do that. We're holding ourselves up without compromise. Now, the Bible also uses this word not only in the positive like we've looked at, but it also looks at it in the negative because he, the Apostle Paul wrote to the, the church and said, yeah, there are other people bringing a different gospel and you bear with them gladly. In other words, you knew what the truth was and then somebody else comes along and tells you something different and you, and you just receive them in. You, you tolerate them and you, you think, okay, we'll just uh, mix everything together. Well, it doesn't work. So let's look. And right now I have about 17 minutes to finish. So I have 10 things, so they're going to be quick. First of all, you're going to find that every one of my points starts with love them. I am not making that up. Because as I went through this, and I didn't know that when I started, but when I started going through it, I found that every time I looked at something, or not every time, but almost every time, it said that it's in the context of love. 
In fact, it is in Romans chapter 13, uh, verse 8, it says, Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another, he, for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. And then it goes on in verse 10 of that same chapter. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So when we reach out, remember, this is just so important. The ministry, relationships, or whatever. If you love people, you put the other person above yourself. The welfare, the good, and the well-being of the other person is more important than your self-interest. That's what love is. So each one of these, all ten of them, we're going to start with love them, but this is not agreement. For example, the love chapter itself. In verse 6 of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says this. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, righteousness, but rejoices with the truth. We'll get to the second half in a moment. But it says it doesn't rejoice in unrighteousness. I cannot agree with someone who says all paths lead to God. I cannot agree with that because... I would be rejoicing in unrighteousness. I know that person is saying, well, I can be a, a Muslim or I can be something else and I'm still going, you know, I'm still going to have a right relationship with God. It doesn't work that way. I would have to go against what I know to be right. I can't do that. But I, just be, I can tolerate that person. I've had Muslim neighbors. I got along with them well. They're not there now, but I got along with them when they were there. Point is, I couldn't agree with him. I had a conversation with him. He even lent me his books. Actually, I still have his Maybe I shouldn't tell you that, but I still have his Koran. Um, and I did read it, by the way. I read the whole thing. But you know what? I wanted to know what he thinks. And he made it clear to me what he thinks. Point is, I listened to him. I didn't agree with him. I still don't agree with him. But I couldn't say... Oh, well, I have a Muslim neighbor, so I have to be agreeing with what he believes. No, the answer is that's just simply not true. We need to love them and tolerate them. This is the one that got my mind going in this direction to start with. Um, this is from last week's sermon, but only one phrase there. It says, with all humility and gentleness and patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. They didn't have to make that love part up. Because it says, I'm not going to think I'm more than I should be. I'm going to be gentle and anything that I know and I know to be true from a position of power and stability and strength. I can reach out. That's gentleness. And with patience, I don't need to get uptight real quick. But I show tolerance. You see, that same phrase is used at least two times by God. That he was forbearing or tolerant toward us in the past until the coming of Christ. Yeah, God put up with you, bear with you, because if he would have done what he had the right to do, that, you're done. Adam and Eve are done. Everybody else that sinned is done. But that's not how God operates, and guess what? That's not how we're to operate. These are not easy things, folks. I'm going to tell you that right now. There's a story in the Gospels in Luke chapter 7. Jesus went to uh, a high up's house. A lady who was a sinner 
Another word for saying she was a prostitute. She comes in with a bottle of ointment. She is, and they're reclining at a table, and reclining, they're not sitting under a table like us. They're reclining at a table. She comes up, and she is crying, wetting his feet, drying them with her hair, breaking open the anointment, anointing his feet, kissing his feet. And the guy says, Jesus, if you knew who that lady was, you would never let her now, he wasn't participating in prostitution. But here's the point. He allowed her to do that. Hey, what? That took a lot because that ceremonially made him unclean. That ceremonially separated him from all the Jewish higher-ups and the, the religious leaders. But see, if you're going to minister, and this is going to be a big point of this whole thing, if you're going to minister, you cannot minister to people without being tolerant. Because guess what? You wouldn't have anything to do with anybody that's not a Christian. You wouldn't have anything to do with anybody that doesn't agree with you. Because tolerance is required just simply to do ministry. It required God to be tolerant with us to send Christ to die for us. It required Christ to be tolerant of a sinful woman to be able to minister to her. And you know what? It's no different for us. Number three, love them. Meet them where they are now. This is the problem with Christians. We say, you need to be like me and then I will have some kind of relationship with you. I'm not talking about participating in what's wrong. That would be totally wrong and against everything else I know. But you know what? I've looked at this and I said, Lord, what is the best illustration? Remember, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and climbed up the sycamore tree. You, you all taught that to your kids. You all learned that in Sunday school, right? Oh, some of you are shaking your heads, but I did anyhow. You know what? Jesus is walking down. He's coming into the city. This is the short version. And, of course, he knows everything. He looks up and he sees Zacchaeus up there. Now, Zacchaeus is a despised guy. He's a tax collector. He's a conniver and uh, he stole money and he did all kinds of bad stuff, right? So, Jesus walks under the tree, looks up and says, Zacchaeus, you come down, I'm going to stay at your house today. <laughs> he didn't say, Zacchaeus, if you quit being a tax collector and you quit ripping people off, uh, then I'm going to come and I'm, I'm going to sit at your table in your house. No. You see, you cannot minister if you don't rub shoulders with people that are very different. Now, he didn't go and say, oh, by the way, Zacchaeus, uh, while we're eating supper, can you tell me how you uh, cook the books so that you, you make out good here? No, that is totally the opposite. The point is, Jesus was willing to rub shoulders with those kinds of people. He met Zacchaeus right where he was, just like that woman we just talked about. He met her right where she was. That is so important if you're going to have a Christian view of how do I deal with people that are different than I am. I'm not going to tell you that you can stand up and say, oh, well, Paul gave us a, a message on that, and now I know exactly what to do in every circumstance. Never happened. Because anything that I would use as an illustration up here, you'd go, that doesn't quite fit my circumstances. 
You're exactly right. I'm only looking at principles. The principle is we need to meet people right where they are. If you're saying, well, if you, if you start acting exactly like me, believe like me, then you're an intolerant person. No, but tolerance says I can reach out to that person just like Jesus did. The Apostle Paul did exactly the same thing. I don't have time to go into all that. You need to love them and never pay back. You see, if there are other people that are different from you, they're going to diss you. They're going to ignore you. There are all kinds of things that are going to happen, and you're going to go, I don't like that. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to act toward them like they act toward me. No, no, a thousand times no. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Now, it also says that the, the second part of there says, respect what is right in the sight of all men. I just went over this in my Sunday school class this morning. Is, you know what? If you're dealing with somebody that says, well, you know what? I'm part of a same-sex marriage. They've just told you that uh, they think marriage is something good. Well, then you can discuss whether that's really marriage or not. Or if they say, you know what, I'm a, I'm a, a Muslim, and you can ask them, oh, do you believe in Jesus? Hey, well, tell me about your Jesus. In other words, you're looking for a place where you can find a common ground to get started. Now, the Jesus of Islam is not the Jesus of the Bible, and the God of Islam is not the God of the Bible. But if they say they believe in God, you've got a starting point. It's just like the one right before it, where you meet them where they are now. And you look what is right. Oh, they believe that there's somebody higher than them. Hey, that's a good place to start. Let's get started. The Apostle Paul did that when he was uh, in, in Acts chapter 17. He says, hey, I saw that you have an altar to the unknown God. Let me tell you about the God you don't know. Yeah, that's exactly what he did. That's a really good principle. Number five, love them, look for ways to get along. One of my favorite verses, I use it all the time in counseling because in a lot of all the these people are not getting along, whether it's husbands, wives, moms, and dads, and kids, and everything else. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live at, uh, be at peace with all men. Now notice what it actually says and what it doesn't say. If possible, it's not always possible to get along with someone. But here's what it does say. On your side of the equation, you need to do everything you can do and look for all the ways that you can get along with the person on the other side of the equation. Now, it doesn't always mean that's going to work. That's not what it says. But on my part, rule number one in Christian counseling, as far as I'm concerned, is I am responsible and accountable for what's under my control. That's where it comes from. There's other places in the Bible, but right here. It's like, this is the place. I need to live in harmony and peace with somebody else, tranquility with other persons, as far as it's possible. I am looking for that. I am aiming for that. There's no compromise in, in, involved with that. Number six, love them. Teach them and express convictions. I've already kind of gone over this one a little bit. But, and I already, First uh, Corinthians chapter 13, verse 6 says, Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, so I cannot agree with somebody when they're in sin or they're just dead wrong. I mean, there are people that tell me all kinds of stuff. They're prejudiced and they're anti this and, and, and they're just hateful people. I can't agree with them. That doesn't make it fun. Because you have to look at them and say, you're wrong. Not fun to do. By the way, I tried to do the one before that. Is 
you know, find a way to deal with it better. But it says, but rejoices with the truth. I can only be glad and delight in what is true. And Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, it says this. But speaking the truth in love. You see, you can give the truth and just be a miserable person. It's true. You can tell somebody what is true, and they don't want anything to do with you, and they won't even listen to you because you're just a blocking attitude toward them. But it's just speaking the truth in love. Again, oh, that love came up again. And guess what? It has to do with how does it affect the other person? The good, the well-being, and the welfare of the other person. That's what I'm aiming at. I want good for them. And the only way I can be a tolerant person is, and the only way I know what to do is I have a firm stand. I know exactly what I believe. I know why I believe it. And from that position of strength, I can now speak the truth in love. Otherwise, I'm wishy-washy. I'm flopping all over the place. And I really have no good way to uh, reach out to someone else. Love them. Never be vengeful. You go, well, that's pretty obvious to me. Let's face it, this intolerance thing is about a lot about is you treated me this way and you had this attitude toward me and you looked at me wrong, so you know what? I'm going to do the same back to you. That's revenge. That's vengeful. That is not a part of any Christian viewpoint anywhere. Now, I'm going to tell you this. You may, you may think I'm a little off base here. But you know what? The last part says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. There are times when people are so irascible and so hateful, you just have to go shake your head, kind of turn and walk away and say, Lord, I can't handle them, you deal with them. And if you think I would be the first person that said that, go back and read some of the Psalms and find out what David said. David said, I can't handle them, they're trying to kill me, they're, they're hunting me down like a wild animal. Lord, down Sorry, this sounds sacrilegious, but Lord, sick. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just saying that's kind of what it looks like. It's like, Lord, I can't handle them. You have to handle them. That's okay. Vengeance is not yours. Getting even is not yours. It never has been, never will be. Number eight, do not think that you're better. It's one of the most common things thrown against Christians. And the stronger you are, and the more you believe the Word of God, and the more you know what you believe, the more this will get thrown at you. I can understand why it happens. But here's what I'm going to encourage you. Is that just because you know who you are, and what you believe, and you're strong in your faith, by all means, don't go around with your nose up in the air looking down at other people. Because when you do that, you lose the opportunity to work with that person, to minister to that person. Just be of the same mind toward one another. Let's face it, folks. Most of you in here would claim to be a Christian. You didn't contribute one bit of that righteousness. <laughs> You've got nothing to brag about. Paul said, I boast, but I only boast in the Lord. Because he's the one that gave you your righteousness. Nobody else, not you, not somebody else, no pastor, nobody. You see, I have nothing to brag about. I can't say I'm better than you. I can say I have a Savior who is absolutely perfect. And he has changed me. And, oh, by the way, he'd like to work in your life, too. It says, and, and don't be haughty in mind. It's like, I know this, and I'm better than you because I know this. No, I know what the 
God said, what is man that you're mindful of? God created us, and he wants us to be his. So we can't go around saying, look at me, I'm better than you. He says, associate with the Lord. Don't be wise in your own estimation. doesn't mean you don't believe what you, you, you're convicted of. You don't believe the Bible or whatever. It is simply this. You're not going around as a know-it-all. Nobody likes a know-it-all. By the way, do you ever notice a know-it-all is someone who can never learn anything? Think about that for a minute. Anyway, number nine. Love them, and this is all. I, I looked at this and said, this is a whole sermon in itself, but I'm going to try my best in about 45 seconds to do this. Judge without being judgmental. I already told you, we all discern. We all discriminate. We all make judgments. You've got to make judgments. You made a judgment of whether you're going to get out of bed this morning. Think about that. You're going to make a judgment of what you're going to eat for lunch today or who you're going to talk to. Are you going to walk right out or are you going to talk to somebody? We make judgments all the time. We all do it. We need to. It's part of life. But judgmental is have a standard that's different for you than for me. Because Jesus said, do not judge so you won't be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. In other words, you better not have a double standard. Wow, that's pretty close. So if I expect people to be respectful and honoring and, and nice to me, I better do exactly the same thing. I'm going to tell you, this is sad. A lot of times the world, in many ways, acts more civilized than we do. That's sad. But it's true. And I'm, gonna, I'm, not, I'm not exempting myself from that. Because sometimes it's like, I got this together. But yes, and you don't. No, I'm always about that far. Ask my wife if you don't believe me. I'm about that far from it. going off the deep edge half the time. And you know what? I have no problem standing up here and telling you that. Because guess what? I know you are too. Just the way it is. So the thing is, we... Make decisions, yes. But judgmental, no. Number 10, love them. And this is the hard one. Go out of your way to be nice. Go out of your way to be nice. My mother told me, that's the first thing I remember. Be nice, don't hit your sister. You know, be nice to everybody. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. You knew all those things, right? Your mom taught you that. Maybe your dad pounded it into you a few times. But you know what? Hey, it's a biblical principle. Go out of your way to be nice. What's it say? If your enemy is hungry, feed him. Yeah, but they were nasty to me. They persecuted me. They argued with me. They told me I don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, if they're thirsty, give them a drink. In so doing, you'll heap burning coals in your head. I was teaching this in a, to somebody in a counseling one time, and they go, I don't understand that. Why would, why would you want to put fire on somebody's head? I said, oh, no, you don't understand. Because you're doing things that absolutely they cannot ignore. You are doing such nice things to them. Why would you do this for me? Because I did this to you. You're doing something nice, and I did something not nice. Why would you do that? Burning, putting burning coals on their head. But the end verse, and it's not up here, the last verse in that, that chapter simply says, says this. And i got to go with my, my notes because I'm so far behind on them. But anyway, it says, 
Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Notice that? See, if I know who I am and whose I am, I can tell where I stand. And from that, I can practice tolerance. I am going to be phobic if I don't know who I am. Because I'm going to be questioning myself, I'm going to be questioning the other person, I'm going to be questioning the relationship, and it's going to make me nervous and anxious and a whole lot of other things, and I'm going to be defensive. You know what? No. I know who I am. Don't be overcome by evil. Know who you are. If you don't know the scriptures and you don't know what the scriptures say, get into them. Learn what the Savior is. Learn what God says and how we act. And then, don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. There's the illustration of that. That is the beneficial, profitable things that are good for the other person. So if your neighbor's nasty to them, make sure you shovel their snow next year. You know what? Whatever it is. My neighbors are laughing at me. Sorry, Tim. Uh, I wasn't referring to Tim. Okay. But, okay. Anyway, but the whole point is this, folks. You know what? If somebody is nasty to you, they persecute you, they, they say, I don't agree with you, and you, you're one of the fundamental Christians, and I don't like that. You know what? Whatever you do, go out of your way to be nice. Because that's where ministry comes from. Because that's the basis. Because you've heard me say this many times. People don't care what you have to say unless they first know you care. If you remember that, you're going to be nice to your neighbor. And the person at work who, who makes fun of you all the time because you're a Christian, or the boss who gives you the lousy jobs because you witnessed to him one time and he doesn't like that anymore. You know what? Do everything you can to be nice. Because that is the bottom line. See, we live in an intolerant world. We, according to the scripture, are to be tolerant. No compromise involved. Simply, we are tolerant because we put up with, we reach out to, we do everything we can do to be nice to those people. That's our opportunity to reach out to this world. Let's all stand together as we close in prayer. Father, you're a great God. And Lord, you have been so tolerant, forbearing, and putting up with us. We don't deserve any of that. But Lord, as a result, we absolutely have an obligation to be tolerant and forbearing and put up with others. Lord, I pray that we would not be a part of the problem, but we would be a part of the solution. That our lives would be such that they may disagree. They may persecute, but they can never say we weren't nice. That we didn't try to live at peace. They wouldn't be able to say that we don't know what we're talking about because we express the truth. The Lord, it's not an easy one, and it's not a final answer here. Lord, I hope that these ten things would give us a start. How do I deal with people who treat me badly? How do I deal with people who are very different from me? Lord, help us to be salt and light to a tasteless, dark world. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. Go with God and be nice.